Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we are continuing our talk about injury rehabilitation and we're going to be going deep into the macro versus micro load and why technique matters. These are probably the only words you're going to hear from me in this show because I am going to get smashed by my brother and Phil. Stick around. <laughs> What's up guys? Morning, morning, morning. I'm complaining about the camera angle here. Uh, you got to get the right side of my face, otherwise I don't look uh, like myself. <laughs> anyway, we got a really exciting discussion today because we're actually going to dive deep into a conversation thread in this group, which we stream live to the UMS Movement Masterminds. So first off, I do want to send a lot of love over to our podcast listeners and our YouTube subscribers, people watching on YouTube. But if you guys are over there on any of those channels, before you do, smash the like button, give us a five-star review, but jump over to UMS Movement Mastermind and you'll be able to get a lot more context into what we're going to talk about. If you want to see how it's done with smashing the like button, just watch Joe Gable. He's going, yeah, he's going big on the stream exactly right now. Exactly <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, on that note, let's give a big warm welcome to everyone tuning in live on the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. If you're not in there, get in that group. And we're going to show you why today. We're going to give some really good, powerful feedback to one of our tribe members over there who's posted a video. We love people who post videos and ask questions about uh, her pull-up. She's on the journey to unlock uh, pull-ups, which is a great skill, great upper body skill. And uh, and there's been a lot of bum steering. It's a great conversation thread, and it's uh, and, and there's a lot of self-moderation in that group because everyone has an opinion and everyone has a lot of experience and personal experience and and um we have moderators and admins in that group who we've entrusted because we value their input and big shout out to Biwa Kwan who's been absolutely dominating in that thread and giving some really great feedback. I'd also like to give a big shout out to Stephen Pellegrino. He's one of our, they're both UMS uh, movement uh, uh, online coaching members and they're, they've given some really, really good feedback. And there's been some other good feedback from um, the tribe as well. So great work, everyone. Unfortunately though, there has been some bum steering feedback which we will address today, but we're gonna really, this is a really great example of why this discussion point is so important important macro versus micro load and why technique matters so much. Yanni is as fired up as I've seen him today. Mate, and, uh, I've even got my sunglasses go. on my head still. <laughs> uh, I'll get those off. But I am, yeah, I'm fired up. This is, uh, this is. Uh, I, I actually went through and deleted a whole bunch of comments last night because they were just so ridiculously yeah, wrong. One, one of the dudes I've just seen has said, my initial comment got removed by admin, but I'll say it again. <laughs> And then he's written it. Well, I'll, he, I'll yeah, suggest but he active did, so, hangs so, and body weight rows. Yeah. So very, very quickly, and I, I just want to say this to the group in general, because they're going to be watching and, and maybe listening to this podcast, uh, and we will link this podcast into the conversation thread. Um, you, If you ever elicit someone else's content and it's not the admins of this group doing so, we will delete it instantly. If you refer someone to go to another video, uh, we will delete it instantly. And the reason why is because we do not have the time to review everything that goes up there. And I do not want someone going to see something that's shit that I wouldn't approve. So we've entrusted our admins to be able to do that because I absolutely trust that they're never going to send you to something that's wrong or incorrect. And you have to understand that's not, I'm not personally smashing anyone or I'm not personally uh, against anyone. The video could be amazing, but we just don't try, we don't have the time to review it. And I do not want to send people to bogus information. So if the admins share a video, that's totally fine. 
Uh, that's Blakely, uh, Tom Wood, or Biwa Kwan. Uh, and some of our senior students and we some trust. Of our senior students, but you've yeah. got to understand, guys, like this group now has, it's, we're coming up to 4,000 people. That's a lot of opinions mm. in there. And Yanni and I have worked for 17 years in this industry to get to where we are. Phil and Richard have both been around for probably a, the better part of a decade in this industry. We have a lot of skin in the game and we are opinionated and we have a program that works and we've earned the right to be able to put a group up that has people wanting to learn from us and we, are, we don't just allow anybody to throw their two cents in if it, if it isn't in alignment with what we think. There's so much misinformation out there at the moment and, um, and we're doing a really good job at making sure that the people that are in this group can get good information that's going to steer them on the right track, not make them going, oh, well, crap, these guys told me to do one thing and you're telling me to do something else and that guy sent me a video. That's, like That just ruins people, you yeah. know? And there are different ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to get there. But we've got proven methods and they work. So. Yeah, and that's that's something that's really important to, to um, t I guess, to draw a line in the sand. This group isn't a group where everyone's invited to express their opinions. That's not what it's about. It's a group of learning and the fitness industry is full of bullshit. Uh, there's your explicit tag. And, uh, and w we wanted to create a group where it, the bullshit was filtered. You know, and I'm not specifically saying that about anyone's post or comment, but I just want to lay that out absolutely clearly. And if you would like to become a moderator or an admin, then reach out to us and we'll and we'll check you out and we'll vet you and see if you're if we feel you're qualified, if you've got enough skin in the game experience, you know, because um, that's what we require for people to be able to to, to refer out out of the group to um, other content. Anyway, let's dive into the topic of discussion, which is why technique matters so much. And it's it's a really great um, example with uh, with this thread because our, uh, our tribe me uh, member Menon is uh, working through a chin up uh, masterclass or pull up masterclass, and um, you know one of the one of the criterium that we teach in there is that once you can do a set amount of e uh, eccentric repetitions where you're controlling your descent from the top to the bottom for about eight to ten seconds, and you can consecutively do that with good form and technique for three repetitions with zero rest or pause between each rep, you should be able to do one concentric pull-up. That's usually the case. And uh, first and foremost, there was a bit of a misunderstanding there because um, she was getting a little frustrated. She could do a eight to 10 second eccentric, but couldn't move at all from the concentric. And that doesn't mean that you should be able to, you know, you, you need to be able to bank reps doing that. So you need more volume and that's gonna get you there. Um, and then there was a couple of other examples of just little technique tweaks that um, Biwa corrected her on, which dramatically improved her uh, her performance, her ability to do the uh, supinated grip pull-ups, which is where she should be focused on right now. Um, no, uh, not quite ready to progress to the pronated, and that's. So can really I jump in and, yeah. and give some definitions here, just so we're all on the same page when and looking at the episode title. So the episode title is macro versus micro load and why technique matters. So what macro load is, is exactly those um, programming parameters that we've talked about. So, and, and as we talked about yesterday, um, that macro load is basically how many reps, sets, um, and days a week uh, you're doing a certain exercise. So for the, for the pull up, it's, you know, um, for her, it's like three 
eccentric reps, um, you know, on a on the pull up. Uh, this isn't this isn't UMS. This is um, the masterclass. This is a um, muscle up masterclass, right? But anyway, basically, how many days and how many reps and how many sets uh, this particular exercise is programmed. Whereas when we look at micro load, that's basically thinking like within each of those reps of that exercise, what is happening to each of the individual uh, muscle groups and joint systems. So when we're looking at um, the micro loading for a pull up, for example, it can, um, depending on how you place your hands and you know what kind of bar, you, if you're using a bar or if you're going into the into more neutral grip or if you're going to rings, um, that will and the position, yeah, position of your hands basically. That will change how much you're loading each of those muscles. So, um, if one person does a um, you know a six week program series of um, uh, pronated versus a six week program exactly the same parameters for a supinated, um, they'll have the same macro load for pull ups, but their micro load um, for the actual muscles within that system is going to be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a there's a there's a reason why. Like when we when I created this pull up masterclass, the way that we create these, like the the first thing I'm going to say is, every one of these masterclasses that we do are either designed to be used with the UMS online coaching program, or just to give people a little taste of what it is that we do, so that they can see if they like it or not. The UMS online coaching program is where you get the real. Um, the balance of everything and the full periodized program. So this program, when we created it, we did it because we had so many people asking specifically about pull-ups and it's just the nature of the way people work. They want to solve an individual problem. So we created it for somebody that literally could not do one pull-up, which is like Menon, right? Somebody that cannot do a pull-up and they want to get from there to a pull-up. And this program is is designed to just get you to being able to do that one perfect pull-up, maybe two or three. And when I see a couple of people using this program and getting a decent result, I mean, this post has inspired me to do the intermediate um, pull-up masterclass because this is the absolute beginner pull-up masterclass. And it is intentional that we chose a supinated grip. It is intentional that we didn't choose a pronated grip for this phase of the program. Or like all these people are, are chiming in with their two cents about using pronated grips and about you know doing this, that, and the other. And and that's you're looking at the you know the macro load. What what Phil's talking about there, right? That's uh, that's uh, that's talking about bigger stuff. Well, if you're changing, as soon as you're changing grip, you're changing the micro loading. So if you're going to be, um, should we go into how a supinated is different to a pronated yep. now? Is that the yep. discussion we're on right now? Yep. So basically, um, <laughs> when we're thinking about a vertical pulling pattern, so um, we're talking a pull up is a vertical pull, so arms overhead and pull. That's going to be a combination of um, shoulder extension and adduction at the shoulder joint. It's going to be scapular retraction and depression as well. Um, and then it's going to be uh, elbow flexion. So that's the compound movement that is the vertical pull pattern so depending on where we place our hands that's going to impact how much of each of those individual movements then make uh, basically make percentage wise of that compound movement so um, if we go into a pronated grip we're generally going to that means our hands are going to go out wider so our elbow is going to flare out which is going to make um, a lot much more adduction at the shoulder joint into the movement combined with um, <coughs> extension of the shoulder joint um, and relatively less than elbow flexion as well. So that's going to be quite different to a supinated where you're generally going to be a bit closer grip. It's going to make extension of the shoulder joint a bit more of um, a percentage of lift, much less adduction of the shoulder joint, and then more 
elbow flexion. So that's going to change the muscles that do each of. That's going to change the total amount of um, like the percentage, ratio. the ratio, the, the ratio. percentage wise yep. of each of those muscles. But all those muscles are still going to be working and that's really important. Um, the one thing where it does get a little bit different is when you start to get into pronated grip, um, sorry, neutral grip where your palms are facing together and what happens there is we just get one uh, like a significant amount more of a, a certain um, elbow flexor which is your brachioradialis which kind of mostly just comes into play in a neutral grip but apart from that it's all the same muscles that are doing that are working just at different ratios different ratios and this was one of the the, the questions that i came down a little bit heavy on last night because i am uh, uh very passionate about people um sharing information when it's correct and i'm very frustrated when i see information shared that's incorrect because this is why we created this group we created this group to create clarity not to bum steer people and confuse people and there was a couple of comments that really pissed me off last night which were people saying that things like when you change the grip you completely change the muscles that are being used in the movement which is absolutely false uh, and uh, and that's not the kind of information that's going to be useful for somebody so you know that's really important that you understand what phil just said there the changing of the grip uh, with exception to the uh, semi-supinated grip which is where we we also refer to that as a neutral grip which um, increases the brachioradialis in the elbow uh, which act, sort of activates that and it's the same with neutral grip or semi-supinated grip dumbbell curls uh, any any elbow flexion that um, works in that position is going to fire up that muscle but it's quite a small muscle it's not a major muscle in the movement um, the in any pulling muscle uh, any pulling movement whether it's horizontal or vertical is generally going to use the same muscles but it's just in different variations so you know to blow your minds here if you if you're wondering how this works a bent over row uses almost the identical muscles as a uh, a chin up or a pull up you know it's just in a different um, ratio it's it, it fires up certain muscles more and fires up certain muscles less the obvious example for a bent over row is that you can fire up the rhomboids and the lower trapezius a lot more than uh, in a well uh, maybe not even a lot more you know it's it's kind of uh, the rear delts and the rhomboids will fire up a little bit more than a chin up will you know um, so yeah you just got to think about this guys like um, and, and, you know, where this starts to really become important is that when your technique is not so good, then either you, the strength that you're developing doesn't carry over very well to the actual end result movement that you're trying to produce, or you overload certain areas of the body that fight really hard to correct your technique, but just can't handle the amount of load that they get exposed to. And that's usually areas of the body like the rotator cuff, the stability systems in the body. You know, these systems are trying very hard to keep the joint functioning at optimal levels. And if you practice with really poor technique, uh, you you really expose yourself to excessive micro load that, that you know, the body isn't really capable of dealing with. Yeah, so there's a whole discussion around um, injury risk with technique versus optimal performance with, with um, technique. And basically there's not clear, like the research is, is pretty, is, is more and more clear that like bad technique won't necessarily be totally predictive of um, injury. Like it comes down to that macro and micro loading balance. And um, and so just if you do a bit of bad technique once, it's not going to be a big pr issue because you you know you generally have enough buffer, especially if you have a, big, a decent enough training age that that's not going to then cause things to totally break down. But for when 
if we can kind of, but with optimal performance, technique really comes into play. And if we're going to be loading up heavy and, and, and progressing long term, then like that's where technique comes so important. But I just wanted to uh, make it clear with the research around injury that there's actually like not clear evidence that like one, you know, instance of poor technique, just like with posture, like there's no one posture that's going to suddenly make your body break down. But it's more about, um, building in sort of movement variability and and then for optimal performance that's where technique really comes into play uh, oh, i just love blakely's comment here love about it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. cunningham's law best way to get the right answer on the internet is not to ask the right question but to post the wrong answer yeah so good spot yeah. on for yanni uh, it's uh, that it's gets them going absolutely um, i don't think i don't think yanni's uh, re uh, response was uh, fiery enough personally i've read it and i think it was quite uh, diplomatic oh, i no, i i edited it twice <laughs> <laughs> i i wrote it first time and then i was like i actually responded to all of the com comments that i disagreed with and and as to why and i spent like an hour and then i was like you know what fuck this, I'm just going to delete them because they still could potentially bum steer someone, you know. Yeah, look, There's no guarantee that they're going to read my response. And I think it's funny because, you know, as this group grows, like we've got people like Blakely in here who were who literally one of the, f they were on at the first floor. They got in right when we started this, uh, our whole online coaching um, journey. And so people like Blakely really, really understand us and, and where we're coming from, what we're doing. And I get that there, there might be people that just joined a couple of weeks ago and they want to come in and, you know, throw in their two cents and they probably get a little bit um, upset I'm when they get their comments deleted. <laughs> I'm putting my hand up because uh, I want to I want to speak next. <laughs> now, I want to highlight something here that um, Stephen Pellegrino, who is one of our online coaching uh, members, and he's just Superstars. a beast. He's, a, he's an absolute beast. He's been training for a very long time, much like Blakely, Biwa, uh, Tom Woods, our, our other administrators. And he's got a lot of skin in the game. And he said something here that's really, really important because uh, uh, the, the comments sort of shifted to, you know, I'm strong at the top, but I'm really not strong at the bottom. I just can't get the movement initiated at the bottom. And what Stephen said here is very, very important to understand. And we're going to explain why now. Uh, he said the band, because the, 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 the discussion went to, and I've deleted a couple of comments, so unfortunately you can't see them, but people were recommending using more bands, okay? And there is a place for bands in training, and there is a place where bands don't uh, aren't very uh, really recommended. And the chin-up, when learning to do a chin-up or a pull-up, it's not recommended to use bands for this very reason. Um, and, and I don't have any problem using bands when you're using it as an overload method. If you're trying to use it in a, you know, a circuit and you can already do pull-ups, but you just want to be able to do pull-ups for like a minute or two, you know, and, and really overload the body. And it's f more about burning calories and things like that. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, um, look, there are places for them and we use them in calisthenics progressions and things like that in other areas. But what Stephen said here, the band is helping too much at the bottom, so you're not developing su sufficient strength to handle the, the, the dangle, he sort of put it. But essentially, you know, you're never going to be able to initiate the movement at the bottom because the band really uh, messes with the strength curve. And so if you think about it logically, you're getting the most support and the most help at the hardest part of the movement, really, which is to get the, the movement initiated. Once you've got inertia, and if you understand how inertia works in physics, it is a lot easier if you then can sequence the muscles properly to get yourself to the top. 
But to get started, to create the initial inertia and the initial movement is very, very difficult until you can do it. Yeah. And this is why it's super important that when you're learning a movement, you don't mess with the neurological strength curve. Allow your body to adapt to it properly. Yeah, and there's more than just inertia at play here. So with the strength curve, it's 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 about how much basically your muscle fibers overlap at different parts of their range. So when you've stretched a muscle to um, its limit, so when you're, you're at its most stretch point, it's going to be weaker. Dead hand for a pull up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so dead hand for a pull up is going to be, you know, pretty much like mm-hmm. full extension mm-hmm. um, of the, or sorry, full flexion of the shoulder joint. Um, and that's going to be basically putting all those um, those muscles that put you into an extension on stretch. So when you're in that, um, whenever you're in end range, so both fully stretched and fully contracted, you've actually got less contraction, contractile and um, less force potential because the way that muscles work is you have basically all these overlaying, um, overlapping fibers that have little tiny little feet that kind of crawl along and um, and that's what contracts. And then when they kind of let go, they sort of, um, you know, they those little feet sort of let go and then the muscle lengthens. And so when you don't have many of these, when you're in a full stretch position, these fibers aren't overlapping enough. So you're not getting enough of those little feet grabbing on. And so you're not going to be able to produce as much force at that range. And just at the other end of the spectrum, if you're in fully contracted position, why it's often really hard to get that full chest bar in this, in this um, pull-up context, you're basically so overlapped that you, and you run up in the, um, basically there's like these stoppers at the end of each of these um, muscle fibers, which is called like a, a Z-disc. Basically you run out of room for these muscles to contract any further. The feet can't walk any further because they've run into these discs. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the strength curve really comes into it and why more than just inertia, when you're in that bottom end of the squat, this rubber band is fully stretched, which means it's going to ping the hardest this big um, stretchy band so you're basically not strengthening that end range that's going to give you the most strength and it to to simplify that if anybody you know is listening to all that and it's going over your head the pull-up is the hardest at the bottom and at the top and the band gives you the most help at the bottom to help you get up but then no help at the top at all and it just completely messes up with the way that your new that your nervous system wants to develop strength through that movement and we tried this besides the fact that there's plenty of other really good strength coaches around the world that we've learned from that, that uh, you know, have the same opinion. We tried for years working with people in our gym using bands to do pull-ups and people that were working on it for years never got a pull-up. And then we went to using eccentrics instead of bands and we've got people getting pull-ups left, right and center. And there's a really good reason for that because eccentrics are widely accepted as one of the best ways to break through strength plateaus for body weight strength training skills because it doesn't change the strength curve like that and it allows you better control it allows you to produce strength in an area where you normally wouldn't be able to produce strength and you can control the variables quite nicely by just manipulating the time under tension the uh, the, with the amount of time that each eccentric rep goes for the amount of reps that you do and the rest between the reps so it's it's a really really good way if you think about you know with the pull-up eccentric think about it like as if you're doing a squat and you know maybe your maximal squat is 60 kilos doing an eccentric is like basically like putting you know 80 100 kilos in the bar and then going down like you won't be able to push that back up but you're getting that total intensity in that and that loading that then makes you stronger when you then go back to your concentric because you're basically able to overload in a safe way. Yep. Now, the conversation digressed uh, where um, um, one of our tribe, Emily uh, Pereira, jumped in and said you're at the same point as me and 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 you know uh the uh steven jumped in and tried uh, helped her out and gave us some great feedback but she was talking about how you know she uses bands not always um but uh she can also do slow eccentrics but uh as soon as she goes to pull up from the dangling position she just can't um and 
uh, and she says, you know, I, I like to use bands um, uh, sort of uh, some of the time or half of the time so that she can experience the full rep. And what I've just said here, and this is really important uh, for people to understand, is that the band will not be a true experience of the movement and it will actually lead to slower progression because mm -hmm. of that re uh, reason. It, it does not help you. If your goal, if your end goal is to do a true pull up, it will not help you on that journey. It's an illusion. It makes you feel like you're potentially progressing but it actually really negates from the true expression of strength and the strength development there it's really really important that you guys understand this and that's why we put that pull-up program together because we not only have uh, the collective experience of working with some of the best strength coaches in the world we also tried it the wrong way for about four years and produced very poor results, you know? Yep. And since we started to really take on board what we had learned over decades of our own experience and change the way we teach pull-ups, the results are exponentially better. We've got a lot of data points. One, one really beneficial thing about being a coach for 17 years, and, and not just that, having four people in the room who have all got similar experiences and invested interests and skin in the game, the collective data points that we get that you can use to, to, to um, uh, um, deploy into designing programs is phenomenal. It's very, very rare that you will get that. And so you have to really, you know, understand that this goes far beyond just our opinion. This is a collective 60 or 70 years of data points in this industry, coaching and training people and, and helping people. So, you know, um, I challenge anyone who's watched a few videos or done it themselves, you, you it's going to be very hard for you to argue against what we're teaching here, you know. Um, and just give it a go. You know, give it a go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying people can't have their own opinions, but what I'm saying is people can't have their own facts. It's very, very important people that you understand that. People can't have their own that. opinions in this group. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'd like to just bring in a few injury examples here because this is injury injury week and, you know, yep. I want to be on my little pedestal <laughs> here. And I want to be, be centre of attention, please. Um, <laughs> yep. So just to bring it into how this, like, technique can really be quite useful in injury rehab. Um, so with this, like, if we're still using pull-up as an example, <laughs> often this is something that people really, um, you know, people feel a lot of... Uh, can feel a lot of pain with pull-ups, often in the, the shoulders or the elbows. And with the rehab approach we take, like we always want to be doing as much of the normal of someone's normal training as possible. We don't want to get you totally out of the gym and doing boring exercises that you forget to do, and then you end up taking you know five weeks off training. So a way that this might um, sort of you might be able to some practical information is if you do have shoulder pain um, when you're doing that pronated grip, then there's um, if you change over to a, um, a neutral grip or a supinated grip, often because you're now making the ratio a bit more elbow flexion based and you're taking, that's kind of functionally deloading the shoulder joint and often people will feel a whole lot more comfortable doing um, like, and they can still do pull-ups. So that way you're giving really good stimulus to your shoulders to still, um, you know, get like maintain strength, but you're just taking a bit of the load off, which will then, you know, often keep people um, able to train. So this is just um, a way in which like technique is just so key because you can change little things and, and have a profound effect on, on what you're actually, um, on how you're able to train. If you only ever did pronated and you never thought about doing it any other way, then you'd be like, can I pull up? No? Yeah. Great. Got to like, you know, stop training. So, and one example that I was just thinking about that I have 
probably one of the most common things that I work with in the gym is people have um, knee pain uh, while squatting or back pain while squatting. And so particularly with the knee pain, when people go into, um, you know, end of range, uh, full astrograss squats, um, and in a very much a high bar or a um, front squat position, um, that puts a lot of pressure on the knee flexors um, and uh, sorry, knee flexion and the knee extensors um, in the squat. Whereas when we think about the squat, just like the pull up, it's a compound movement. So it's going to be a combination of um, what's happening in your knee and what's happening in your hip. And so basically we can change the positioning of our foot. We can change the technique by how um, and where our hips are going to change the ratio between how much of the load is going through your knees versus going through um, your posterior chain and your hip. So um, swapping up if someone's got knee pain, just moving from a very much knees over toes, high bar or front squat position, going back to a low bar squat where we kind of go more to 90 degrees, um, a bit more trunk lean, hips going back as if you're sitting onto a chair. That's a, a really great way that we can keep someone squatting, but just take a little bit of the pressure and a bit of the load off the knees while um, you know the particular like pain or injury settles down so I just really want you to um, you guys understand that like if you do have a certain movement that hurts when you have an, an injury don't just think hey I've got to tap out of training or you know my coach tells me hey don't do that exercise at all like ex have a look at different technique variables you can change and that micro loading change will will have a huge impact on what you can do yeah. yeah can i my my last two cents with this i want to say something specific about uh, um, this program because whilst the show's been on i've just revisited the program and you know how to look at what we've written and i can tell you now this is a very very well written program written by a couple of coaches that have worked with a lot of people and really understand how to write programs and it um you know talking about the load management like if you go back to yesterday's show you know the idea of this of this program is really to increase the size of that bucket in the muscles that are required for a pull-up. And I can tell you right now, if you can't do a pull-up, that bucket needs to increase. Because I learned this the hard way. I could do a pull-up and it took me a while. When I started doing pull-ups, I was so weak. Like if anybody listens to this show regularly, you would have heard about how my journey was martial arts first, weak upper body. When I was decided, okay, I want to learn calisthenics, I could barely do three or four um, supinated grip pull-ups and they were with bad technique. And when I, I did develop a decent pull-up, you know, I got up to maybe eight or 10 pull-ups, which I know now is not considered the standard within gymnastics and calisthenics to go on to a one-arm pull-up, but I started working on one-arm pull-ups and I ruined myself. I got really bad injuries like tendinopathy in the forearms because my bucket wasn't big enough. I hadn't developed the, the, um, the load capacity that was required for that kind of a movement. And for some, if you can't do a pull-up yet, then you need to build up load capacity before you can work on pull-ups consistently without getting injured. Yeah. And that's what this program is designed for. Did you know There's that we did not talk about, we didn't explain the bucket and tap analogy yesterday? We managed to, you know, yeah, really, yeah, really. Not do it. So there you go. One, one of the things I want to end on is one of the comments that I uh, deleted, and I deleted the comment because the individual was re re recommending the use of bands so passionately, uh, which goes against a lot of the, you know, our, our experience, our beliefs, and the research. But what he opened with in the comment, which, you know, I wish I could have kept that portion of the comment because there was a lot of truth in that, which was, you know, he said that the, sim the simple answer is if you can't do the movement, you haven't learnt, you haven't earned the right to do the movement yet. And you simply haven't banked enough time 
enough volume, enough uh, repetitions with good form and technique. Mm. And that was very, very true. I can't remember um, uh, your name. I'm really, really sorry uh, when I deleted the comment, but I, w I wish I could have uh, kept that opening paragraph of your comment because it was very true. You know, the simple reality is that if you can't do a movement, and the pull-up is a great example of this, because you literally can't cheat it. You know, you, are, you, you grab onto a bar or a set of rings and you can either pull yourself up or you can't. And there's not a lot of risk involved. Uh, you know, of course there is if you keep trying, keep trying, keep trying incorrectly. But it's not like a squat or a deadlift where you yeah. can get it wrong once and really mess yourself up. Like mm. you, can you can't jump. It's like a squat. If you, if you jump under a 200 kilo bar and your max squat is only 60 kilos, you will get crushed by that mm. 200 kilos, you know. And it's the same with a deadlift. If you, well, a deadlift, if there's 300 no, kilos on I mean, a bar. I mean, bench press, shoulder you know, bench press, press. all movements that you can really hurt yourself. Yeah, but a pull up, you grab the bar and you can either go up or you can't, you know. So it's a great example of this need for, you know, earning the right. Uh, and, and if you try to rush it, I guarantee you what Rad and Phil just spoke about at the end there is if you try and rush it, you will end up with some sort of an uh, overuse injury or uh, even an acute injury, you know. So... Use Get it the, right, guys. Use the, but besides following the program, use the eccentric strength formula because that works. And mm. it surprises me how... Two people can get the same bit of information and one person can produce a good result with it and one person doesn't. But when you look at the person that didn't produce the good result, they didn't follow the instructions. And the instructions are very clear. And I'll, I'll give you guys examples of like, we've got one of our members in the gym, Xavier, he's only 16 years old. He looks like he'd be blown over in a strong wind like many boys at that age do. They haven't got to the point yet where they've started to build muscle. When he started here, um, his dad, Greg, he trains with his dad here and he was telling me how he couldn't do one pull-up to save his life and he now does sets of eight reps in the workouts. And I went, wow, are you kidding me? Because literally, the only instruction I gave him was I showed him the technique of a pull-up, I gave him about a 10-minute talk and I said, see that eccentric strength formula? Use that, read it, learn it, use it. It's the exact same thing that you've got access to with the pull-up masterclass, it's printed on the wall. And Greg said, yeah, man, he just studied that thing mm. and he just followed it step by step. We should you know? set up a system where they can download it, um, like a, a link where they can go and chuck their email in, get it sent to their email address in this group. Wouldn't that be good if that was done? It already is. It already is, fantastic. Well, where's the email? How do they know? When yeah, you, right. yeah. How, where's the link? Yeah. Uh, all right, guys, that's all we've got time for. We are going to continue this discussion tomorrow, and tomorrow um, Phil will actually get a, a little bit of a chance to say something about injuries because we're talking about injury identity and why cultivating a performance mindset is critical to your success when overcoming injuries and uh, it's going to be a really really well, important discussion well, so make sure you tune in I really hope you guys uh, got oh look at Joe saying or maybe an app Yanni oh you guys aren't going to know what's coming until yeah. you see this you don't, you're giving away too much Joe you're giving away too much <laughs> uh, guys we'll see you tomorrow have a fantastic day I hope you got something from that discussion Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. 
There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.